You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 31. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. All right, men, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen and... I'm Chris Field. Great to be with you. And Chris, today we're going to be talking about dads. Daddies, yes. Being a father in a child's world. I think that's a pretty being important a child issue. In a, being a father in a child's, child's world. world. Yes. Sounds well, like a title for a book. Yeah, maybe I'll work on that. Uh, you know, obviously dads are dad for their children for the whole of their lives. You know, and I'm uh, now in my 60s. My dad's in his 80s and I'm still his child. So there's a, there's a relationship, father, child, uh, yep. right to our lives. But I'm thinking particularly here, and I know you've got a lot of ideas around what's actually involved in being a daddy to those little kiddies. And I think there's a couple of really key issues that Mm. dads need to think about. If you've got children under the age of 10, um, I think this is the area we want to cover. So this is is about what we want to prioritize as as a dad with kids under 10? I think so, but really it's a matter of understanding what is going on and what our responsibilities are, so that we can prioritise it. Because it's not something we tend to think of, is it? When our kids come into the world, we're not really thinking that strategically about well, I, being a daddy. It, my case, uh, as an ignorant young man, I just assumed that being a daddy was so natural, I didn't need to think anything about it. It was just going to happen. I think we all think like that. Yeah, and now looking back, I think, wow, I wish I'd had a much, much more mature understanding of the challenge. And, and my responsibilities. Yeah. But I want to anchor this in Scripture because mm. the particular text we want to look at is Proverbs 17, verse 6, which talks about the fact that uh, the glory of children is their father. And I, we often don't understand that. We may not really fully understand just how significant our presence is in the child's life. We really are someone very, very special to them. Mm. I remember when I was a child and I've referred to this at different times, but I was standing uh, down the bottom of my street in a a spare block of land, and some other kid I didn't know came along, and out of the blue, he just says, my daddy can beat your daddy. (laughs) What? You know, this kid didn't know my dad. I didn't know him. I wouldn't know. But my response immediately, ah, my daddy can beat your daddy. And it was on between the two of us, this sort of bragging match. And why? What is this instinctive thing within children that there's some sort of identification they have with their daddy and him being someone significant and strong and able to beat other people's daddies somehow has meaning deep in their own, the core of their own being. Mm. So I think a lot of dads will just stumble through their their parenting and feel like, well, they're just the kids I have. Ah, yeah, you know, they all know who I am and they know when I'm in a good mood, when I'm in a bad mood. They know when to ask their mum or when to come and ask me. And, you know, we just see it as a kind of a, just a natural thing like a tree growing in the back paddock but in fact the scripture says that the glory of children are their fathers which speaks to us about a real responsibility a real privilege that we have as daddies of little children yeah and i think that we don't see things from our kids perspective we see the things from our own perspective and it's so easy to forget what it was like to be a teenager, what it was like to be a kid. For some of us in the room, it was a long time ago. <laughs> I saw you look at me when you said that. <laughs> so, you know, we quickly, I can't even remember anything earlier than when I was about 10 or 10 mm-hmm. or 12. And so we quickly forget what it what it meant to look up to somebody who's so huge and so powerful and just seems like they've got uh, authority and wisdom and 
to our little kids, every word that dad says has meaning. Every word that he doesn't say has meaning. It's pretty big time. Yeah. Let's, let's picture a couple of images. There's dad walking somewhere out of a meeting late at night or, or down the street or maybe even in the middle of the afternoon. And some child who is preschool age is nestled into his shoulder sound asleep. And aware in their heart, in their mind, it doesn't matter what the noises are out there, what anyone else is doing, Daddy is holding me. Mm. And like, the whole world is safe Mm. because I'm in Daddy's arms. Mm. And there's that wonderful sense that children have that Daddy really is iconic. He's he's their hero. And and if he's there, there can't possibly be anything that's going to go wrong. I remember these situations I've had over the years when I got stuck one time as a preschool boy uh, wandering up the street from where I lived into a, a mud patch and I stuck my, my foot in with my little gum boot and the, pulled my foot out and the gum boot was still there. And I was now stuck in a mud patch and, and I just stood there and cried, Dad! Dad! You know, for about five minutes until finally and my dad came running and pulled me out of the mud, which was no big deal. I could have stepped out and got my feet muddy, but... But somehow rather, I just wanted Dad to be my hero. I needed him to be to be my rescuer. And it seemed right that Dad was going to be the one that was going to do it. In my mind, there was no one else I would have called on. It was Dad. Dad's the man. So one of the first things that we need to provide as a, as a dad to our kids is a place of safety. I guess so. I think to, to recognize if we really are that important in their lives, that means that when we interact with them, we are interacting with them probably in our mind, if we could find a, an an analogous equivalent imagine if the 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 leader of your country was to come and say i want to talk to you you'd feel incredibly honored or or if some high-powered businessman or celebrity said hey i want to sit with you for an hour can we come and have coffee i just want your input i want to be with you that would be terribly terribly honoring well that's more or less what it means like to the kid When, when when dad says hey come and sit on my lap hey come here and read me your book uh come here and show me what you've just made that's an incredibly honouring gift to them. It, it, it's really big time in their world. For us, it's, look, I've got a phone call to make in 20 minutes. I suppose I can give the kid a bit of my time. Mm. It, we, we might be distracted. But by taking that um, initiative and recognising just how big time we are as a dad in a little child's world and saying, I'm going to give you something of me. Or, or to say to them, hey, I want you to sit next to me at dinner tonight. Would you come and sit here next to me? Oh, I got to sit next to dad. We could trivialise that and say, well, that's just a child's response. But these are precious people who think you're the world. And they really are honoured when you actually give them that little bit of honour. Yeah, and we have to remember, look, this is a little person that everything is new. And they're learning and they're developing their emotions, they're developing their values, they're developing the way that they see the world and the way that the world, the perception of the way the world sees them. These things are all old hat to us, but they're all brand new to a little child. And and so it's a very vulnerable time. And so we we do need to guard very preciously and carefully uh, those interactions with our, with our children. And sadly, uh, we find dealing with adults over and over again, it, that there's no doubt in the minds of people who deal with adults about their perception of God or their perception of authority figures that their actual relationship with their dad had incredible bearing on that. Your dad was an angry, miserable fellow who was going to just be demanding and tyrannical in their world. Especially if he went to church and said he was a Christian or a believer, but yet he bashed his wife and 
and abused his kids and didn't have any time for them. If if that's the way that the God the Father is like, it's no wonder no one wants anything to do with them. If, if that's what their dad's like, they automatically seem to impose that on their impression of God. Absolutely. Mm. Or if, if, if a dad is someone who says, I want you quiet because I want to be quiet. I want you to come and bring me this because I want it. I want you to tidy up that mess because I don't want it around. He represents authority figures and he represents to the child the idea that authority figures are only there to use and abuse you so the authority figures can be happy with whatever rules they've made. Mm. There's not a sense of it being compassionate or reasonable or or, or positive or for the benefit of the child, but authority figures are just those miserable people that you'd have to put up with and find your way around and keep out of their way so they don't get angry at you. All of these values are being built into the life of the child by dad. Just, just by the way he spends time in those first few years with his child. And so being dad in a little child's world is like really serious business that deserves to be given a lot of intelligent attention. Mm. So we should really split this up and, and look at the distinction between boys and girls. Because the impact that dad has is some things which are the same, right? We've talked to enough men on the podcast that we've done uh, people like uh, Jack Thurston and, and and people like Darren Lewis, you know, they see it day in and day out of just the impact that a present intentional dad has on his kids, whether he's there or not. And it's a little bit different between the girls and the boys. Well, it is. And I don't particularly want to spend a whole lot of time in that difference so much as to say to a dad, if you've got young children, for every single one of them, mm. you need to be really ministering this to them. The girls will take a, a different picture of the world, a different picture of, of their own hope and their place as a woman and their hope for a marriage in the future based on whether their dad is the sort of person who is idealistic and a wonderful dad to honour and to love and to hopefully then have a, a man in their life who matches him or whether to feel like dads and, and the males in our world are, are, are people that are not really so very nice to have around. And one of the wonderful things... To hear to hear your daughters say is to dad, but no, I want to marry somebody just like you. Yeah, it's both a wonderful thing to hear, but it's also pretty scary as well because because we know how rotten we are as well. But um, and so yeah, our daughters, our daughters will be whether it's consciously or subconsciously will be reflecting on the men who they go out with, the men who they ultimately marry. You as a father will have a huge influence on that, whether you desire to have that influence or not. You will have an influence on it. And then with and then with our boys, they are learning. They need to learn about what it means to be a man. Absolutely. And you as dad, no, you're are, the first male role first. model. You're yeah. the first male role model. There needs to be others as well. So dad, mm. dad, you're you're not an island. You're not sufficient on yourself. But your son is learning about manhood from you. So what is he learning? Now let's make that um, testable in the mind of of, of the men listening to mm. us. I'm going to put it this way as a question. If your children and their view of God depended on what they have seen in you as a dad toward them, Mm. would they have a good impression of God Mm. or a bad impression of Mm. God? Now, that's the kind of litmus test question to ask, Mm. the acid test. And stop and think about it. Have I represented to my children that God gets grumpy, that God's selfish and, 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 and doesn't want to be bothered? Or have and, I represented... And that he will punish us when yeah. we step step a foot out of line. He's watching everything we do and, and, and making us give account. Or are you representing that God loves us 
and that even when we mess up, he's there for us. And yes, he might have to discipline us and might have to put us on the right track, but he'll do it only because he really cares about where we're going and where we're, what we're going to achieve in the longer run. Hmm. So straight away, just think about your relationship with these young kids. Do they feel that you're approachable, that they can run up to you at any time and throw themselves into your arms? Because you want them to be able to do that with God. Hmm. You want them to run up to God and say, God, I need your help. Here I am. But have you told them, no, I'm busy. No, no, get out of here. I've got more important things to do. You're not important in my world. Those signals are so easy to transmit to a child, uh, even without us realizing it. And they feel it. They take it on board. Do you want your kids to be able to trust God, to have faith and trust in his promises? Well, can they trust you? Can they trust you? Do you keep your word? Absolutely. When you say, oh, yes, I'll, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll fix that for you. Do they have to come back and remind you six times? You know, what really is going on? All of that is a, is a daddy in a little child's world. Mm. But here's another whole area to think about as well. Your job is to correct the child. So the child doesn't do what it told, messes up. You told the child to put something back, they didn't, now it's been lost. Or you told the child to handle that carefully and they didn't and it got broken. And now you've got to call them to account. You then now model God's judgment. Hmm. You model in their world, is God now going to just do his block and lose his temper and shout and scream and tell them that they're useless and worthless? Or is God, you as their dad in their world, going to go to them and say, now you did wrong, you didn't follow my instructions, and I'm going to have to give you appropriate punishment for that. I'm going to have to give you what you'll have worked out, what your discipline regime is. But it'll be measured and it'll be appropriate and it'll be because you love them and because you want them to be able to process disciplines in their own life that help them behave better in the future. They're going to measure all of that idea about the world and their conscience. So... A child that's come up under an angry and abusive and explosive father breaks something and hides it and lies about it. Why? Because they're afraid of the reaction. So later on in life, when someone says, come to God, he can fix up your problems and say, no, no, I'm going to just keep pretending I'm, I'm very religious. I'm very, I'm very polite. I'm very good. I'm going to just keep up good appearances because I wouldn't want to have to face the kind of angry God if he's anything like my father. Whereas if you go to the child and actually say, look, you know you messed up. I told you quite clearly about that, which is what God has done. And he, he, God's not going to close a blind eye to what we've done wrong. We're going to have to face up to it. Mm. But he's going to expect us to come and take our lumps appropriately, whatever that might be in the situation. It might mean making restitution. It might mean um, having to, to go and do work to, to raise the money to be able to pay someone for what we actually damaged on their, be on their behalf. But that measured and intelligent and caring support that we give as a father when we discipline our children models for them the whole idea about what authority figures are there for. Why are there rules? Why are there road rules? Why are there, why do we have all these laws that we have to follow? And some people, I'm afraid, become cynical about the system and about authorities in their world, from the school principal to the uh, other authorities around them, government or police or whatever, only because they actually became cynical about their dad. Hmm. Now, you've raised a bunch of kids. Yeah, well, um, when you talk about it like that, it's just, it's just such a huge responsibility. Now, that, that can be, when you dwell on that, that can be overwhelming. How do, men, how do men cope with that, the weight of that responsibility and thinking that, well, you know, if I'm such a rotten dad, you know, I can't do the things that I want to do. Uh, you know, like Paul said, you know, there are things that I want to do and I can't do them, the things I don't want to do and I do them. My kids are going to turn out rotten because I'm a rotten father and there's nothing I can do about it. Maybe they're better off without me. You know, 
I'm going to be silly here, but I'm going to say that the way most men deal with that is in complete ignorance. They just let it roll and let it happen. And wonderfully, uh, and to God's glory, he's designed us to be remarkably resilient. So you'll see some child who goes to a dad, Dad, would you look at my book? No, I'm not interested. Dad, would you look at my book? No, I'm not interested. And miraculously, that kid still hopes and expects Mm. that one day dad will take an interest in care. Mm. It's wonderful that there's so much a safety net built in by God himself Mm. into the personality of a child Mm. because the glory of the child is their daddy. You know, they they think he's wonderful and they want him to be wonderful in their life. And so, friends, if you have really messed this up, if you've been the worst possible dad and you've done everything possibly wrong, just remember that deep in the heart of your child, your child still wants you to be a hero. And if you can just turn around and go to the kid and say, you know what, I think I've been really unfair on you. You've deserved a whole lot more of me than I've given you. And I've just I've allowed other things that aren't important to seem important to me when actually you are really, really important in my life. Well, your child is going to drink that down in, by the bucket load. They're going to love to hear that and because you're the hero. And so be a, a, a really beautiful dad in the life of your young children and, of course, extend it into their older years. But here's the trap because it says that the glory of children is their father. I think there comes a point somewhere in the teenage era where children finally realize that dad's a bit of a jerk. He actually is not the font of all encyclopedic knowledge, which they once believed he was. He's not the strongest man on the planet. He's not the wisest investor or the, or the best employee. Whereas at one stage, they kind of just assumed that that was true of their daddy in just about every expression of his life. And sometimes they can become really sour about that. They can actually become embittered. Uh, They can feel a little bit cheated that I was going to measure myself against my dad and that's such a low benchmark. What hope have I got of stepping up in this world and being anything if if that's my mentor? And so don't be too upset when when that process does begin to emerge. Mm. But that's your opportunity to begin to show them that you don't have to be perfect in this world to be able to really be blessed and to succeed and, and, and really move forward. Showing yourself as vulnerable is actually a really part of, important part of the oh, fasting process. Oh, absolutely essential because when you're standing in those teenage years, your your kids are starting to realise that they're vulnerable too, and that they they can't achieve the things that they they want to all the time. They they start to have doubts about themselves. You know, when you're when you're a bit younger, those sort of things don't really come and manifest and sit sit there for so long. But when you're a, you know, 13, you're 14 year old, you're really starting to worry about everything everybody says. What is what What do they mean by that? What are they thinking about me? What did they imply by that? How do I look? Is my hair right? You know, all these sorts of things were very become very perceptive of the, the oversensitive of the outside world, if you like. And, and so as a dad, as a dad, it's important that we make some adjustments to the way that we're fathering. And uh, and make some adjustments to what what we were like when we had a nine or a ten year old, and we do allow them to see our vulnerabilities because your kids are starting to have those vulnerabilities, and they need to know how to deal with those vulnerabilities. That doesn't mean you necessarily ex- ex- explain to your kid that you actually are a homicidal <laughs> maniac in the background. I'm not that sort of, but I think you'd go to the child and say, you know what. I can see you're struggling with that. And I want you to know that you've heard me. You've seen me lose my temper. You've seen me get Mm. impatient with people. You've seen me 
do this and do that. And you can realize that I'm actually only human. And you know, I need God's grace. I need God to forgive Mm. me. And I need God to sort out my messes at times. And you'll need that too. Mm. And I want you to know that I really value you. You're a wonderful person. God's put so many wonderful things in your life. Some of them we haven't even seen yet. I'm sure in time they'll open up and blossom and be far more wonderful than any of us have ever imagined. I believe God's given you an awesome, awesome potential and future. But like me, you're going to be making mistakes. And, and I want to show you what I do. Come and let's just pray about that area of what happened. Or maybe even to the point the child loses their temper, is disobedient. And as part of that whole protocol and process of, of disciplining them in whichever way is appropriate, then you sit with them afterwards and say, I, I just want to, I'm really glad about what happened today. And I want to talk to you about that because we've just seen an area in your life that really isn't fully under control And I understand that because I haven't got every area in my life fully under control. And as your dad, I want you to know that that's okay. God is big enough Mm. to carry you through. He's Mm. carrying me through. And in future, you're going to have awesome responsibilities as a dad or as a wife and as a parent, as as an employee. And and you're going to feel sometimes that you can't cope. Mm. I feel like that sometimes. But that sort of transparency Mm. just allows the child to really um, gain from that feeling of, wow, Dad is wise. He really is mature. He really, he, he's not. He does understand. Yeah. He's been through, he has been through what I've gone through. And the worst thing is for the dad to be smart. Well, don't you think you're smarter than me, kid? As soon as you start playing that stupid, I'm still the hero card, mm. you lose. You lose the game. Mm. They're not going to respect you. They can see through that. You're far, far better off, as your word about transparency, vulnerability, just exposing that to the child, letting them see you for who you are. Because that's who they are, which you've already said. And then you show them that that I rely on God to get me through and you can do the same. And suddenly there's hope. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to get everything right, but they can still be successful by being humble. Before and they God. get through, you get through the other side. So when you go through that rocky period, it's, it's never, it's never easy. And at some point in most teenagers, you'll have some, some time of, of rockiness uh, between the teenager and dad when you get through the other side it's a beautiful thing where your relationship is now much more like friends you're always still going to be dad there's always going to be that special place but you're much more like friends you're much more uh, like uh, uh, confidants comrade com- you got the camaraderie particularly with your with your with your sons and it's it becomes something very very special if you can make it through the other side. But if you just remain to be that tough guy, that hero, the one on the pedestal, then you might get through the eighteen, nineteen, twenty or twenty years, and you haven't got through that to that other side. And then it becomes very difficult because you because you 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 no longer a, your child no longer a child is now an adult, and they'll they'll probably go off and be doing things. And then you've got some some rebuilding to do of the bridges. They will just discount you out of their life. You'll just be there as like like a neighbor. You're just another human that I know. You're another person. And that's not what we want as dads. No. But it all starts when we've got a baby in our arms, when we've got a toddler at our feet. And of course, we, we tend to give special attention. Oh, holding the baby. Oh, um, helping the, the child take its first steps. In those few years after that, we can tend to sort of feel like, well, they're there. Um, there may be another child's come along the way. There's, there's hoping to be able to buy a house, hoping to get the career to move forward, get a better job, get a better car. All these things just become distractions for us. And if we're not careful, we'll forget that we are a daddy 
in a little child's world. And I want to just mm. keep that phrase alive in our thinking. Being daddy in the child's world is far too important mm. a, a position to have to, for us to forget that we actually have it. it it's a, a hat that we wear that we have to remember is on our head. Yeah, so, so there's some things that we can give up. There are some things that we can set aside in order for us to be more present, to be that little child that, to be that daddy that our, that our little child needs. Is there that, you know, can we can we get away an hour earlier from work in order to spend a little bit of time with with our child? Well, I think it probably depends. Is there a breakfast that we can yeah. set up on a Saturday yeah. morning? I, rather than maybe what we have to give up so much, uh, the, the idea of setting up a breakfast, I think what can we specifically and deliberately put into the day. Uh, researchers will talk about the fact that they actually put cameras on these families and, and, and video recorded the, the, the perspective of the parent with the child over days and found out that the amount of eye contact between the parent and the child was ridiculously small, mm. you know, less than a minute in a day, um, just actually really connecting with the child. Being fully present when they're talking to you, turning around in your seat and looking at them and really actually listening. There are very little things that we can do. And then as, as that goes, you can you can build on that. Yeah. And I think if you just wear, say, I'm wearing a hat that says I'm daddy in this little child's world. Mm. So I'm going to, when I get home from work, I'm going to go and hug each one of my kids. I'm going to pick them up. I'm going to look them in the eye. I'm going to say something like, dear, it's wonderful to be back with you. Um, tell me a bit about your day. And just introduce a certain number of protocols that remind you I'm wearing this hat. To this mm. child, I am the hero and their hero has just come home. Will he ignore them or will he hunt them out and find them and make an investment in their You're lives? You're right. And so it's not about giving up this or that, but it's about just having that perception of your importance to your child and just living that role and the ideas of the things that you can do because every family is unique yeah. the things that you want to do in your family will be different to, to, to mine but if you just have that perception if you just have that perspective of how important you are to your child and just look at find ways to enjoy that child enjoy the presence of being with them then it's amazing what ideas you will come up with to practically uh, put in place things that will actually really build your relationship and really set it on a firm foundation as they grow. And one really, really tried and tested thing, you would be surprised how valuable this will be to your kid, is that you sit and read them a story. Mm. It's just that people have talked about that from little toddlers through yeah. to 18-year-old children, how people love to have daddy read them a story. And, you know, uh, with some children, you can actually pick up a book that's going to take you all year to get through. It doesn't have to be like, you know, the, the little red hen, some mm. little popcorn book. You can actually read long-term serious material with your children as long as it's in their level of understanding. And, and children just love that idea that they're going to sit down for 10 or 15 minutes and Dad's going to go through a couple more pages of this story. Mm. Uh, I've had, when I was doing it with my children, they'd already get so interested they'd go and finish the book anyway so they knew exactly what was going to happen but they still sat down to, to listen to me read it to them mm. and just that sense of of so there's a, a silly little example of something that any dad could do maybe not seven nights a week but it's something that we consciously say i'm wearing this hat that makes me a dad in the little child's world and i better wear that hat well it makes such a difference when i was in hospital when i was four just before christmas 
Um, when I was a, a four-year-old, I poured boiling water over my arm, my right shoulder, poured a pot of uh, saveloys down my arm, and I was in hospital. And what brought me great comfort was every day, it wasn't my dad in this case, it was actually my auntie, but just coming in and reading me, she read me the same story every every night. Goodness me, Kai, <laughs> the same story. Every night for, for, I don't know, it was 10 days or two weeks, a fly went by, and uh, she she read that, and, you know, and I don't really remember it now, but it made such an impact to me as a young fella. And, uh, you know, and that can be that can be you, Dad. That can be you. Now, at the same time, of course, mums can, can are vitally important and can make a really big input. Sure. We can make an input into our grandchildren, mm. into our uh, nephews and nieces, and, and into someone else's kid who we just want to encourage. So mm. it's not... But I'm just particularly talking here about the dad role. We don't want to... We, you know, we want to recognise the importance and the, the wonderful work that, that single mums do. Yep. You know, and uh, it's, 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 a, it's a very difficult thing to bring up a, a child... When there's two of you, let alone when there's there's only one. So yeah. big sound out to all the single mums and and single dads out there. But uh, um, you know, but if you are in a situation where there is a dad at home and you are you are him, then you are in such a privileged position. Get comfortable with that hat on your head. Yep. Enjoy it and let your children enjoy it. Mm. Have some fun. You're a hero for a little while, so why not enjoy that special role in your children's lives? All right, well, I'm going to go off and have some birthday cake. Are you? Welcome. Happy birthday, young man. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're, you're beyond four now, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. I think you called me 27, but uh, you don't remember that. when you were 27, do you? No, I don't. But anyway, it's been good doing another show. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And we look forward to catching up with you next time. And don't forget to come over to the website. We'd love to hear from you. And if even if you'd like to be on the show, you've got a topic you would like to cover, someone you'd like to interview, let us know. We don't know unless you tell us. So that's all from me. And bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.